So I'm wearing my sound isolating headphones, which I've just got. Oh, aren't you a fancy boy? With noise cancellation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's surprisingly amazing how comfortable they are and also how much shitty noise it's blocking out. So now your kids are running around screaming, headphones on, oh, serenity. <laughs> it's that not that works? good, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, what did you get? Bose, quiet, comfort, something, numbers? 35. Oh, the 35s. Yeah. So much better than the 34s. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think they made 34s. No. Uh, well, it's funny you should mention that. I am toying with, well, let's face it, I am probably going to get the in-ear noise-canceling headphones for a upcoming trip to... Where else? Stockholm, because that's where we go. But why the in-ear and not the out-ear? Uh, I don't care for the out-ears. I think the in-ears, smaller, sleeker profile. Mm. I can sleep with them. You know, I'm a big napper. Yeah. I like to nap. I can't yeah. nap with those big things on my head. You are what they call a napster. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I am a napstar. <laughs> napstar. Uh, I don't know. That conversation was on its course. What's next? Well, I can tell you that I was able to sleep in these headphones. I'm still... Oh, okay. I'll bring it back. Bring it back. Uh, perfectly fine. And neck I pillow? No neck pillow. Oh. I've, I've now threw away, or like it's somewhere in my house, all the neck pillows it's that I purchased the same thing. previously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine my house full of pillows and neck pillows. <laughs> Various shape sizes. This is my pillow room. <laughs> Here's my collection of pillows. Much like how people bring them to their castles to see tapestries, I, I think. Uh, sure, I'm definitely something that happens. I'll give you a tour of my pillow room. <laughs> Each one has a story. We haven't done pillow talk for a while. How are your uh, cervical pillows? So I have since let go of the cervical pillow. Oh. It has run its course. Okay. I've now gotten a low-profile memory foam pillow, which... <laughs> that clonk was me lowering my head in despair and my headphones hitting the microphone. What is the equivalent of a facepalm, but with, like, you and the desk? Yes. It's a microphone ear facepalm. That doesn't really work. Nope. Let's get this started officially. Was Pillow Talk not getting officially started? I don't know. Last time we did something like this, you had a big problem with it. I think it was... No, that was my preparedness. I see. I feel like I wasn't very good. Are you prepared now? I don't know. I feel like, I'm feeling quite good. Warmed up? How are you feeling? How about some vocal exercises? <clears throat> la, 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 la. Red leather. Yellow leather. Red leather. Puh, puh, yellow tuh, leather. Tuh. Great. Let's go. Speaking of popping your peas, mm -hmm. let's talk about phone cases. <laughs> Last time we spoke for an inordinate amount of time about phone cases. <laughs> Ridiculous. I don't know how we did it. I remember texting you while I was editing it going, we talked for fucking 10 minutes about phone cases. And here we are again. And here we are again. But Sam. It is a callback. Look what happened. Is that a new peel? Yes. I bought another peel case. Why? Is it just to change it up? Yeah. They released a jet white mm. phone case. So Apple famously have the jet black. But they do not have white. It's not really white though. 
What are you talking about? It's like off-white. Such a designer. When you get your eyedropper tool out, you think it's it's not F F F F F. Maybe you think it's it's definitely like like somewhere D. around the seas. Oh, we're in the seas. Yeah. Oof. Oh my god, are we are we really making hexadecimal number jokes? Hexa jokes. Horrible. I'm so sorry to normal people. <laughs> I think it's just because it's too thin. It's actually the bleed. There is, is a translucent yeah. to it. That's true. Well, it never bothered me until about five seconds ago. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. The jet off-white, really. Would that bother you? Well, actually, it's jet white with an alpha of like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> 0.7. I really like it. What do you think of the aesthetic? Okay, pretend it was white. Mm. I Actually, I was a little unsure. Black phone case, black phone face, mm. white phone case. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but I think... The problem with white stuff for me is, I think it does look pretty nice in terms of like Ooh. the side profile. That's but all like, I ever wanted to hear. Just Sam. the back, mm-hmm. I don't like it. Okay. Yeah. No. I, it looks almost too plain. You want a little Apple logo on there or something? No. I know. Great answer, right? <laughs> um, Maybe something that folds over on it, so you can't use the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Dick. <laughs> Anyway, we'll put a link to this in the show notes again if you want to join me on my ridiculous peel case buying spree. But I suspect I like you're going to buy like at least one more. Mm, I was really tempted to buy a red one because they released the new iPhone 7 Red. Red edition. Yeah, yeah. but that has the white face. Mm, I don't Whereas, like white faces. No, exactly. Um, <laughs> but did you see, have you seen some of the teardown videos where they put a black phone face in a red phone case. What do you mean a teardown video? Well, they, some people are actually, they take the black phone. Oh, I see. Unscrew some shit and Mm. unstick it and then put it into a, and then do the same with the the new red phone Mm. and then switch it over. So they get a black. That could look pretty cool. Yeah, it does look pretty good. The problem is though, the touch ID is for security reasons, is linked to the phone. Oh, I so see. So it has to be a white phone. So, you, so the you end up with a white phone button because that is what's linked to the red phone case. Oh, wow. That's and then stupid. Have, yeah. So you get a little white button there. But Those can't be disconnected in some no. way? Like they need to I mean, they up. can be connected, but the, then the security goes, hang on, I've been removed and put into a different case. Oh, wow. So it is, I mean, it is the secure enclave, Sam. I see. The enclave. <laughs> enclave. It's like one of those words that Apple brings into uh, into the lexicon. Shamford. Like technical products, yeah. yeah. Enclave. Yep. Um, since we're talking about Apple, did you hear the Mac Pro news this week? Do you even what? care? No. What, what's, oh. What? I'm interested. Oh. I am interested. Like, what's the Mac Pro news? They invited a select few Apple bloggers and journalists to Cupertino to chat about the Mac Pro, famously unupdated for... Four, three, four years. Oh, the Mac Pro. The trash like, can. Uh, the trash can cannonball shooter. Yes. Okay. Yes. They, oh. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of writing very deep think pieces about what the fuck, like nothing has happened. It's still $3,000 for three-year-old technology. It's kind of a joke. Right. So like, what the fuck is going on? Did mm. they invite the bloggers to write about it or the bloggers as sort of like, the prime users, because, you know, blogging just so computer intensive. Right, they need to <laughs> render those WordPress <laughs> sites really quickly. Well, I think I think this kind of goes towards the fact that 
there's, you know, back in the day, Apple. Hmm, what am I saying? Maybe the audience. Just, the hmm. audience for Pro Mac. Like, what? How would you target people who care about the Mac Pro? Like, it's difficult to reach those people now because everything is all very much consumer driven. So you know, pretty much the smaller tech blogs. So for like Daring Fireball, for example, John Gruber was invited. Mm. Um, I think who else was there? Some, some were some oddballs like Mashable and BuzzFeed, our favorite. So professional bloggers, not just like. <laughs> <laughs> not just like simon the angry blogger from uk right. yes i love this site anyway they're invited to have a round table my favorite shape of all tables <laughs> uh to discuss the mac pro mm. the embargo lifted a couple of days ago and a bunch of articles were written about this so have they unveiled something or is it like they were sort of in like a user testing group no nope, not even that they have simply said they are working on new Mac Pros, but they're not coming this year. So that's... So what that's was it. the round table about? Well, I don't know. I think they just got themselves just into the quarter. So basically the problem Cupertino was... Cupertino circle jerk. It's just yeah. <laughs> exactly what it was. So as I understand it, the trash can does not scale or wasn't very future-proof. The stuff that's... The way that computing went... Mm. After they designed the trash can, meant that meant <laughs> meant that they couldn't upgrade it. Right. Basically, like the thermal things inside this trash can meant that the bigger GPUs, CPUs, just would get too hot and wouldn't work. So they'd kind of, as they said, design themselves into a thermal corner. I've listened to far too many podcasts about. Holy this. shit! They actually used the term thermal corner. <laughs> they did. Yeah, I believe this is true. But wasn't the whole thing based on ventilation? Mm -hmm. I mean, this yep. is why it was shaped the way it was, because it had like this natural airflow. Indeed. And if I remember correctly, like the whole thing was built around expansion. Like it was made so that you can take it apart and add stuff to it. Well, I think... To a degree. No, I mean, this was one of their things. Because previously they had the, the larger, what they call the cheese grater, like the really big, like the floor kind of units, which was a lot more modular. And then this one was not... A lot's been made of it. But I think for me, the problem is... Not the problem. I don't give a shit. I'm not buying this computer. But you see things like 3D graphics, VR, mm -hmm. all these stuff that's coming down the way. People have to use Windows machines for this. Like they just Literally, you cannot use it for Mac. Like Famously, Oculus doesn't support Mac because they're all too slow. Yep. And so, you know, while you might go, oh, that's not a big deal. Like Mac Pros are like a tiny percentage of the sales, the Mac or, you know, profits there is still that perception that, you know, hey, Mac used to be cutting edge. Like if you wanted to do heavy lifting, the important creative shit, you have to get a Mac. Now, they've kind of completely lost that edge and people go, well, actually, we have to go, go and use Windows. Yeah. I do see people who are like professionals in like 3D and all that stuff. They, I mean, it's a no-brainer that they need to use the PC just from like the, the rendering perspective and like the computing perspective. Um, and I can imagine like, yeah, only thing that they probably still have a lead on is like video editing. But even so, like, what would, what what would you buy? Like, what computer do you have to buy? You have to buy like an iMac now, right? With four K in the picture, and just like so much processing is involved to actually put in all those filters and stuff. Yeah, it's either like an iMac or you got to go PC, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think basically Apple had made a mistake. They actually yeah. said the word sorry. Apparently, there was this big surprise that they actually apologized for this. What a, yeah, what about like the software? Like they've they've lost a huge group of people with like the final cut 
Pro X version um, mm. as like the previous version. Yeah, I'm not version. super sure. I'm not sure. There was, wasn't much talk about that. And I know like it's but. because of that that people actually went back to Premiere and now are like everyone uses Premiere. Like no one uses mm. Final Cut anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And then you- the interesting thing is Premiere, the actual interface for that is kind of abstracted away from the operating system. Like it's not a native Mac app. Right. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's kind of terrible to use on a Mac. But if I go to Windows, it's the same. Yeah. So you're you're almost like, well, hey, so what if I just do it? Yeah, why not? I just I'll get a Windows machine that I can spec to mm-hmm. fucking Kingdom Come and I can use Audition or Premiere. Yeah. Because hey, I know it's the interface is essentially the same. Yeah, even for like audio apps, do you know anyone that uses Logic? A couple of people, sure. Mm. Okay. So maybe Logic's still in the picture. Yeah, I think there's definitely more love for logic than final cuts in mm. my limited experience because i know like the whole shift of final cut was like they actually made it like iMovie. yeah this is what's what i understand just people are like dumb what is this yeah yeah agreed and then the people who basically did final cut 9 went to adobe premiere, yeah and made, made, and made premiere yeah anyway this is all to say apple has then said don't worry we are making new stuff for the mac they're making a modular system People have been debating what modular actually means. And they're making a display. Oh, I see. They're making a new display. Yes. Interesting. These are interesting times. Oh, not by the end of the year. Okay. Not this year. At some point in the following years. That's all we know. Let's pause for a text break. Games. The games. The games. The games. Yes, that's how we start the segment now. I'm still a bit obsessed with balls. Okay. Sure, why not? I'm on my ball chain, <laughs> which if you haven't played the game, you essentially you, each turn you get an extra ball to destroy blocks. And so you end up with a giant ball chain destroying all the blocks on the screen. It's kind of pleasing. So it's kind of like Arkanoid with sure. this chaining system. Yeah. But dumb. <laughs> Turns out Sam may not be a fan. Uh, but yeah, I'm up, up to 600. My ball chain is 600. Right. So and it takes fucking like five minutes for a single turn. 600. That's ridiculous. I think my highest has been 31. <laughs> okay, but I have been cheating. Uh-oh. If you, if, you, if you make an error with your angling and you don't like the, the move you've made, you can force quit the app and take that turn again. Mm. I know. Shame upon me. But, so I you know. finally get it. I think there's a pretty there's a pretty interesting aspect to it, which I didn't realize in the beginning is... Mm. Because you played it once, rage quit, and deleted it, <laughs> and then you reinstalled it. Don't get me wrong. It's still a dumb game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's totally the guy got lucky, or, the, or the, the woman who made it got lucky in terms of like figuring out like a pretty good pattern. You mean catch app? Catch the well-respected app. game studio and punsters. <laughs> Uh, I think there's just still too much variability in order for you to feel like you have enough skill. What do you mean variability here? Like, not only upon like the placements of the blocks that you have to get, um, like those are yeah. random. I would guess so, yeah. And uh, the placement of for you to get the extra balls are random. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the numbers inside the blocks are also somewhat random. Right. Yes, the number of times you have to hit the block for it to destroy it. Yeah. Just on those three variables, I feel like there's, you can have 
you can have a very inconsistent series of games. Yeah, but I mean, the same thing happens in Two Dots or Bejeweled Blitz. Which is why I hate Crush. Two oh, Dots okay. and Bejeweled Blitz and Candy Crush. Okay. Because it's dumb. Because <laughs> you, want, you want to know there's a way to solve each level exactly. or each turn. And so there's a puzzle game called Hexic, which was available on Xbox 360, made by the guy who made Tetris. Um, okay. And for that, yes. <laughs> for that game, I mean, not only did he program it so that he knew that each level was essentially solvable, but it was also kind of cerebral in the sense that you can see it and see like possible solutions like three steps, two steps ahead and be able to solve for them without having, you know, luck on your side. And I think that's... That that is what makes for a true, good quality puzzle game. Now there is the the concept of the infinite game, right? The infinite scroller, infinite runner. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole fact that if it's infinite is you cannot plan it. I do feel like you know games like Tetris and Hexic are infinite, mm-hmm. but and you don't like it? No, I do like it. Hexic and Tetris are infinite games that I like. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, but yeah, not this one. Not this one. Not no. two dots. Not no. bejeweled. Blitz. And Candy Crush. Candy Crush, yeah. You know I got hooked on Candy Crush. I can see, yeah. It seems like a There's a golf. That... There's a golf with the same as well. Right. I think they, they were randomly generated. But see, randomly generated, but with, that, with enough rules to allow for it to be solvable with skill. Mm. Like Desert Good. Golf, I think, is a great example. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of math going on in the background to make sure that they are playable and solvable. Okay, so you so Sam's rating. One star. <laughs> I mean, is it not a little bit enjoyable? Uh, I see. If it was, so I think you, I also it gets better as you play more. Yeah. Like thirty, you're like, oh, it's okay. But when you have a hundred, when your ball chain is a hundred, you're like, look at my balls. <laughs> did I you say, say that a lot? Did you say look at or? <laughs> so I think there could be things a lot more visual and. It um, is a very simple game. Yes. Like I think not even just like uh like visual pizzazz, right? But more like. <laughs> animation and motion like keep the shapes all the same but like the quality of animations and stuff and like screen shake i think those can actually be added to the game mm-hmm. to to make it a lot more uh juicy ah uh, the the fabled game term <laughs> yeah like tomato juice right or i juice the, oh god <laughs> no i was trying to do a tomato juice ketchup thing it didn't really work very well <laughs> oh yeah tough. almost yeah yeah <laughs> The best jokes are the ones you have to explain, I find. <laughs> Speaking of ketchup, um, so last week or the previous week, last two weeks time. ago, the last time, yeah, you told me to try uh, a brand of snacks that we have in the office. <laughs> right? Okay. Yes. These are way better chips. I mean, they're called way better. It's not like I'm saying they're way better than other chips. Right, they're a little boastful with their branding. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like, you know, this natural chia flax bullshit type of chips. <laughs> Stuff that appeals to you. <laughs> right. Uh, but this one was like pretty good because it was called sweet chili. Mm. Right? Yeah. And when I had it in the office, it was like nice. It actually had like this nice sweet chili flavor. But the thing that I noticed most was like a nice vinegary flavor. And I was like, oh, it's actually quite vinegary. And I looked at the ingredients and sure enough, red apple or like 
cider vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Mm. What refined palate do you have? So I, I thought this is like actually kind of better than like uh, sea salt and vinegar chips, which I also like. But sometimes I mm. think like the salt vinegar, and vinegar huge in the UK. Yeah, which is kind of overpowering. Sometimes it gets too tart. Can be a lot. Yeah. And I thought this was like a good balance. So the salt and vinegar Pringles, they can be quite, quite tart. Right. Especially when you get that uneven Pringle that oh, just man. has all the powder on it. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, if it's like the sour cream and onion, that's what you look out for yeah. and you want it, but yes, not the salt and vinegar one. Yes. You're, you're, you're playing Pringle roulette. <laughs> and it turns out once you pop that, you can stop quite quickly. <laughs> so I got these bag of chips for the flight and I thought, hey, it might be, you know, I'd like to have a snack while I'm in the plane listening to my S-Town podcast, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Hashtag foreshadowing. (laughs) And I noticed that the flavor profile in the flight was completely different. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I've read about this previously, and I didn't Mm. think that I would be able to notice it. And Um, this is why people bitch about how bland airplane food is? This is... Uh, partially the reason why they say also airplane it's eggs that have been microwaved three times and been shipped in from the other side of the world. That's true. And also this is this is the reason why people are starting to make things for flights. Like I just watched this video about this beer that was specifically brewed to be tasted at thirty five thousand feet or something like that. Okay. Made wow. by Kathy Pacific. It's actually an interesting <laughs> video. Oh, cool. The beer is called Betsy, which I love. <laughs> Link in the show notes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this had a completely different profile when I was eating it and it just tasted kind of like vomit. You know, like oh. that that acidic vomit? Oh, and, back of your mouth, bile. Yeah, that bile mm. flavor. And uh, I tequila, have- my old friend. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and I have to try it again now because I have to try it again in Or is it like tequila? After one of those nights where you're like, I'm not sure I can actually, I don't want to try this again. Right. So that's what I'm wondering. So I do want to try it again, but I'm wondering if the flavor of it now is going to remind me too much of the flavor during the flight. But I can't find the chips anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) They heard you and they're like, nope, you don't find out. Sorry. But yeah, it's the first time I've experienced like a a, a vast difference. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting. Hmm. And I guess... You, it was more noticeable because you were so aware of the vinegar style taste. In the beginning, yeah. yeah. And that's what sort of attracted me. And so I was, I was kind of looking forward to it. But that sort of... Like, what is this? Vomit. Yeah. Vomit, vomit chips. It was, uh, it was the other way around. I was like, this is not enjoyable. But uh, my flight was nonetheless very enjoyable because mm. I had my new headphones. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to trying some... Uh, noise cancellation during my next flight you realize just how fucking noisy a plane ride is i mean Mm -hmm. you get the sense but like after you put these babies on (laughs) which last the entire flight for no uh without any issues um that's good yeah you're a convert i am a convert Mm, yes and these are hella comfortable on my giant head that can be hard to find (laughs) what else did you do on your flight did you play type shift I did play type shift. Nice. Uh, I was able to, um, yeah, it allowed me to play like the daily puzzle while I was in the air and had no connection. And some oh. of the other puzzles that I already had Listen to that, downloaded. Nintendo. There you go. Nice. I am too dumb to play this game. Mm. It has fallen off my rotation. Did you uninstall it? No. Okay. It's still there. It's still there. I still have balls. 
Good. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give it one more try. Okay. Yeah, but it's just like a it's like a nice dumb decompression game where mm. you can just go eh. Don't think about too much. I don't ever think about letters and make words. <laughs> these, in, these intellectual games. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't really get on with Type Shift. It was a beautiful game. The um. What do they call the buzzing that the phone does? Uh, haptic. Haptic feedback is very nice mm-hmm. in type shift, isn't it? Yep. They've done a good job there. Mm-hmm. You can even adjust it within the game. <laughs> phone buzz. <laughs> it's, I guess that is really what it is, but let's call it haptic feedback. There you go, another stupid word Apple <laughs> yeah. has in- introduced to our lexicon. Uh, it's a haptic brow. <laughs> so, yeah, type shift. It is beautiful. If I was better at wordplay... I'm sure people would love it. I do not. Mm. You? I think if you're a crossword puzzle enthusiast or a jumble enthusiast, this is the game for you. I'm more of a word search kind of guy. Mm. I can see that. <laughs> Let's say spoilers for S-Town starting in about a minute or two. Um, yeah, starting right now. Spoilers for S-Town. So how do we start talking about this show? Um, maybe we just give a brief background on like the format. Well, it's a podcast. anyone who's listening now has, has heard it, I would say. Probably, yes. I think, you know, our core, if I know our core demographic, yeah, and I think I do, yep. they've heard S-Town by now. Yeah. It's been at least... Or very close to finishing week. it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I don't think we need to do, do, do a whole spiel about it too much. Okay. But uh, it's just a I'd like new to show. Think, I'd like to think one day my children will be listening to this podcast. <laughs> and they'll be like, what's S-Town? What is S-Town to the archives? My boyfriend did ask, what it, what's it about? Mm. And I couldn't really tell him. I mean, I was like, you just have to listen to it. Right. Um, I would also recommend people listen to the long form podcast episode that uh, where they interview Brian Reed. Yeah. The, I started listening to it. But oh I my God. It's so it. good. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. Like he, yeah, they're just fascinating. Like if you love the show, Hmm. um, just hearing some behind the scenes stuff is fascinating and fantastic. How long is that episode? It's like an hour or so. Okay. It's quite a long form. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) So S-Down came out last Tuesday. All seven episodes dropped at once. Yep. Dropped. I don't like using that word, but I just did. Up it. It's what the kids are using these days. Yeah. Um, uh, heavy hitters from the podcast world, Ira Glass, Sarah Koenig. Julie Snyder. Julie Snyder, Starley Kine, mm-hmm. were all part of the production team. Yep. Brian Reeds is a long-time uh, American, American Life. life. Mm-hmm. Producer. You're just trampling all over my words. Reporter. I can't talk to myself. Reporter, yeah. sir. Are you a This American Life listener? I'm an occasional This American Life listener. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm not. I like listening to their new shows. I don't like it when they go back to an old show, which they do fairly often. Oh, like previously? Yeah. Or I mean, I, revisit. Mm. And sometimes they do like a show that has bits of an old show, which kind of confuses me. Because like they always like try to package show? it up in like a theme, right? It's like, it's like this week we're going to be talking about, you know, <laughs> surprises. We have three segments or three stories. And all about surprise. Yeah. That was our horrible Ira Glass impersonation. <laughs> well, I know you're quite the artisan of the impression. <laughs> I like doing them. I'm not uh, 
I'm not uh, not very good at them, but I'll do them anyway. <laughs> okay, so I mean, I, where do we even? I don't even know what to say about S Town. So I was blown away. What I was gonna say. So I'm what did you like? In. What did you like most about it? It was just like a delicious treat for my ears. But was it the production that you really liked? Production was great. Um, listening to it a second time, you get a much, which I have done, you might, you just get a, such a greater appreciation of how they structured the story. Yeah. Because after you know what happens, you can pay attention to more like what they're saying and how things happen. Mm. And you just kind of pick up a little bit more on how they kind of structure the story a little bit more. And so there's, you know, in those first two episodes, there's a lot more foreshadowing than yep. I realized the first time around. Um, they, yeah, they, you know, you just go, wow, this is just quite a well-made show. They know what they're doing. Right. And I think I'm, I'm more very impressed by the production of it mm-hmm. rather than the actual story that went on in it. Because you are a hollow robot with no emotions. No. <laughs> but let me, let me, let me, let me, let me explain. Let me explain just a little bit. Um, so production is top notch. I think the way that they were able to capture this person's life with the reporter's interaction with it. Um, and the way that story got told is pretty remarkable. To me, what was also super interesting was the... How not black and white people actually are right it's definitely not like the movies where you know people have like that one true path you know right there's been a bunch of script writers yeah thinking about the character's past and what their motivations are and exactly at any given moment you ask a person on like how they stand like they're they're always pointing to their true north and it's so not like that in real life and there is like this you know the thing that i kept thinking about was like there's this theory in science where the act of observing something already skews the observation quality of it, right? Like it skews yes. the... Heisenberg's... I think that's it. Uncertainty principle? I mean, not uncertainty. Shit. But yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Right. And, and I, can I just say, he talks about this in the long form oh, podcast really? episode. Yeah. Oh my God. It's such a good interview. Yes. So, so uh, yes. That's constantly what I was feeling as, as he was asking these people the questions, they would cater to being like the good side or like the, the more positive aspect of the story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it also sways on you as the listener to take sides immediately. Right. And then what's also really interesting that the person did in terms of the production standpoint was to also talk about it from the other aspect. And I was really impressed with the way he was able to talk to the people and ultimately present it from their side, but also get us on the opposing side so easily. Yeah, I mean, he does talk a little bit about, you know, hey, the fact that this is a Ivy League educated person who lives in Connecticut goes mm. down to the rural south and kind of injects himself. Well, yeah, but injects himself into that world. Right. And, and I think it was really interesting in the way that these people were talking to him and I, I imagine, like, before each interview, like, you know, the, the interviewees, you know, they'd probably, like, brush up a little bit. You know, they'd practice saying some things. Hmm. And I imagine them being, like, more prim and proper with him for some reason. And that, to me, I, I found super interesting. Hmm. I guess we'll never know. Hmm. But, but there is that don't give a fuck right. sort of an attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which is really fascinating. Which is super fascinating, yeah. And and the other aspect of this is like, 
I don't want to say like I know people like this, but I did spend eight years of my life in Kentucky. Yes, you did. Yeah. And I can totally see this. Um, like it was such a gem for him to find this person and be able to essentially be a part of his life and have him be a part of the, you know, Brian Reed's life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so rare to find a person like this and be able to get the opportunity to record him in this way. Yeah, that was that kind of leads me to something. I don't think it's a problem with the show, mm. but there's just there's basically two things that have occurred to me that have just made me th- think kind of about myself and my uh, opinions on this. And I, as I said, I don't think it's such a problem with the show. But I was one thing that gave me pause for thought was, hmm, they found this person in the middle of you know conservative Alabama and Alabama, and they found someone who kind of agrees with my views mm. a little bit you know the social justice a little bit environmentalism all the rest of it and just because they found someone who agrees with me in a place that you would typically think there aren't those people mm. does that change how i feel about that story right like would it would i have i don't know i'm not even, not even sure there's any as a anything to talk about there but that was just something i was like huh they just found someone like right sort is of that, like that reflects my views on the world in a place that I think typically doesn't right. And I guess you're wondering if that was a big contributor to you liking this story. Yeah, was like this sort of you know diamond in this <laughs> right rough. Yeah, you're like oh great, we <laughs> bad can, analogy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're like oh wow, they found this guy who's going to speak to the liberal podcast consuming East Coasters. Mm. <laughs> Um, I don't know. And I I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Right. But you're still just like, huh. I think there's a little bit more at play there as well, right? I mean, this this person who obviously thinks a certain way that is known to be different from his environment Mm. reached out to essentially the source, one of the sources of, you know, liberal thinking, which is NPR radio (laughs) in This American Life, right? True. There's a little bit of that going on, but I don't know if I actually... (laughs) I just wonder if so Breitbart much. are going to do a podcast where they, <laughs> they find a, a super a, a, racist, yeah, in, white supremacist in Manhattan <laughs> or Brooklyn, perhaps. Yeah. The other point that I was kind of maybe pause and think was I was listening to the last episode of Pod Save America. Great re- recommendation from you, Sam, as we've talked about in the past, and um, not John Favreau, one of the other guys whose names I haven't quite learnt yet. And they, this is nothing to do with uh, S-Town. They weren't reviewing S-Town on Pod Save America, believe it or not. But there was a sentence they said that kind of made me think about S-Town. And he said, uh, you know, when white people are poor, it's fascinating and nostalgic. And when black people are poor, we don't talk about it. And that just made me pause and think, huh, yeah. And again, I don't think that's a problem with the show necessarily, but... I think it's represented different ways, right? Like we do see, yeah, we do see a lot of white people are poor, interesting stories, but we also do see a lot of black people are poor, interesting stories. And I think if you watch movies in the 90s, that's like, you know, New Jack City, um, Menace to Society. Um, those were essentially movies that, that showed um, sort of the black side to this, right? And I think it's just a different, it's a different culture. Um, but I wouldn't say that as a blanket statement 
I think that's a very, to me, that seems like it's a very white observation to not, not to say it's, it's directly to you, but like, I think there have been interesting black stories、uh, that come from a place of poverty、um, that's just depicted in a different way, but just as interesting. Why, why, I think I was just questioning why did I like this? I think that's, maybe that is a very good question to ask. I think it's just people... the right time. Yeah. Right? It's kind of the reason why Hillbilly Elegy was such an、um, interesting book because, like, the rampant. Opposition of liberalism. Maybe we should put that into our book club because I've not read it. Okay. So it's sort of been the campaign book for the Trump、um, cabinet. And I don't know why because it really doesn't have anything to do with their ideals. It's actually the opposite of ideals.、Mm. It's this person that grew up in like white Appalachia from a you know, place of poverty. Essentially, like the, ultimately, the things that happen in like Shet Town, right?、Um, but he's. Oh, he finds ways, or like he found a way to overcome it. And he, he has like these pillars of people that actually helped him overcome it. And he identifies what it was that actually helped him overcome it.、Mm. And now he's like a venture capitalist、um, that went to Yale and all that stuff. And he grew up in like the shittiest neighborhoods in, what, in Appalachia, right? So it's very much、uh, harkens back to like what happened in that town. And I think there's a good, this is sort of the time to tell those stories, I feel.、Um, and it might very much reflect on why Trump won. <laughs> right, there's that great line when he's interviewing the owner of K3 Lumber towards the end of the <laughs> runs where he's、yeah. like, oh, you're one of the guys we pissed off when we voted Trump in. Yeah. <laughs> Or something like that, yes. And had that like evil snicker. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I have much else to add, really. Like, As I said, I've listened to it twice already.、Mm. Um, Why would you recommend other people listen to this? I think it's like the OA in that I have trouble <laughs> describing why I like it. Okay. <laughs> When you said it was like the OA, I almost vomited. Because <laughs> listening back to that episode, I didn't put up a very good defense of why, the OA, why I enjoyed the OA. And I think I still couldn't really put up a good defense of it. Or, I, defense, I couldn't explain what I liked about it. And I think I would probably struggle the same way with S Town as well. To me, it has to do a lot with the production. Like, I think, if anything, both OA and I can't believe I'm、okay. saying this. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I tricked you into saying there's something good about the OA. <laughs> both OA and S Town has immaculate production. Like, it knew exactly what it wanted to do. There's a yeah, lot I mean, of- listening to the behind this, listen to Brian Reed talk about the production process, it's super interesting to see、yeah. like, how they crafted the story. There was stuff,、yeah. a lot of thought and love that was put into how to present the stories in, for both cases. And I think that quality just bleeds throughout the, the shows, right? Yeah, you, I mean, I was like, wow, I've heard, this is like nothing I've heard before,、mm-hmm. just in terms of, I mean, A, the content, but also. I try to think of good examples, but man, it just felt like serial again in a good way. It、right. was like, wow, this is fantastic to listen to, and I am completely captivated、yeah. by it. And that, and it had interesting characters. Yeah. Right. Just like, of course. Yeah. But not in a threatening way. Like, you felt safe.、Mm. Okay. That's true. Yes. And he was you as a listener. Yeah. Being dropped in the middle of 
yeah. somewhere and you're like, oh. I, but like he also had like really good moments of empathy, which allowed you to empathize with him, which I think is like really crucial. Overall, A+. Plus. A+, plus, I would say too. I then went and listened to Serial season one again. And then I listened to Mystery Show as well. Holy shit. I did want so, to listen to Mystery oh, Show again. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. What is, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite Mystery Show episode? Uh, definitely the buckle one. The toaster buckle. That one made me cry. You know, I love that episode. It's probably not my favorite. Mm. I think... So the first one I chose to listen to was Brittany. Oh, right. <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> oh my... Oh, yeah. Have you seen the actual picture? I've seen, yes. It's yes. amazing. Yes. Oh, the one she took. Oh, no. No, no. Yeah. I saw the picture of her holding the book. I haven't actually seen the the, <laughs> the picture she took with Brittany or the one she gets for her $2,500. Right. <laughs> um, but Cotter as well. Oh, my God. Wait, which one was that? Oh, that yeah. One. That was the last one. That was really good. That was the first one I ever listened to, actually. Mm. And that made me cry. Oh, my God. Anyway, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, go listen to it again. So good. Did you cry I during realized- S-Town? Um, no, I was mm. definitely emotional during the last episode. It must have been altitude emotions for me. <laughs> High altitude emotions. And my new awesome headphones. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's not so good. No one can hear me sob. <laughs> but yeah, I would highly recommend people who are interested in listening to an p- episodic podcast. What did I recommend last time? I said, mm-hmm. if I were to introduce someone... To listen to... Oh, did you say Missing Richard Simmons? Oh, right. I think this is even better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, by Country Mile. Yeah. Which is the longest of all miles. That's <laughs> Is that a phrase that exists in the U- in America? I have no idea. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. I'm not... As you know, I'm not good with <laughs> American idioms. I'm kind of... I kind of have that TV show hangover with S-Town. Like, where... I missed the characters from it. and Yeah, that's why you listen to it a second time. Yeah, but I know that if I listen to it a second time, it's just not the same. It's better. <laughs> you can really savor it the second time. Because now you're like, okay, I don't need to rush through this to get to the end because I wonder what happens. Haven't you ever you watched now, like, like an entirety of a TV show and like, and like sort of binge watch it and then afterwards you get um, that show hangover where you miss the characters not so much from tv shows mm. books certainly i see yes agreed and yeah, then, like no, when you talking about when you like watch it or read it again like it's not it's not the same because you know what's going to happen mm. no i really don't mind doing it a second time <laughs> in fact i kind of like it a little bit more the second time i see Because I'm now not so focused on like, oh, what's going to happen? And like, finding out what's next. I can kind of relax and enjoy it and enjoy the craft of the Mm. thing. I guess like there's so much I forgot. There is so much I forgot listening to it. I was like, oh, I forgot this. He said this line or like, I forgot this happened. And you can kind of appreciate, oh, yeah, shit. Mm. I guess I don't take it in that approach. I take it in the approach of like, I compare my emotions the second time around. Right, like, oh, I'm not crying. This is, this is rubbish. <laughs> Why am I not feeling the feelings? <laughs> More tequila. <laughs> There's a sort of a segue here into Riverdale. Right. Because they were on a little hiatus. I came, I went on my seven episode frenzy, caught yep. up. 
mm-hmm. and then they drops a new episode. I'm saying dropped again. <laughs> Don't like it. They released, you're, just, you're just hit. You're just, just really hip. They, they, they done a new episode this week. Have you watched it? I have not. It is on my to watch. Okay. Let's talk about the next, next time then. Okay. I don't mind spoilers. Oh, well, it wasn't really a spoiler. I just found it underwhelming and I wanted to get your take as to whether my initial enthusiasm has just worn off or if it was just kind of an eh episode. I, I heard that this comeback episode was not a great one. Yeah, I was sitting there going, oh, uh, huh? Really? <laughs> Why was I watching this show again? <laughs> right. So that might be the case. Perhaps, you know, they're just getting warmed up. Mm. And also, it, there was just... So, somehow, the twisty-turniness of it, you kind of go along with. Mm. Certainly, my, my, my seven-episode binge. And now, with a little break, and I come back again, I'm like, oh, wait, who's this person again? And the, uh, Oh, interesting. <laughs> Maybe that Perhaps break was, was just a little too long. <laughs> right. And now I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> so she's the person. Uh, okay, I don't care. I'm sure I'll find out later again. Mm. Like, <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah, let's definitely talk about that next time because I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it tonight. No, oh, good. On the bus. Mm-hmm. On the bus. Which reminds me, I have yeah. to now go to the bus. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I shan't get in your way. So that's it. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs>